What's up, everybody? It's Brooks. I'm hanging out with you today, which is Saturday, in my red room, here to record episode 37 of the Barbell Buddha Rediscovered podcast. This episode is called All Hallows Eve Hangover. And uh, yeah, this is about the third time that I've sat down to do this and got some friends in town and um, a little off my routine. So I had a missed opportunity, I realized, in putting this out on a particular date. I can't wait to tell you about that later on in the show, as well as a couple other things. Um, Chris is going to redo some bullshit fitness motivation memes for us. He's also give us uh, a hot little travel tip. And then, um, yeah, man, I got a really awesome, awesome clip queued up for you uh, to close the show. But before we do that, let's get on our plugs. Remember to go to barbellbuddha.com. You can support Chris's legacy by purchasing a book for yourself or for a friend. I believe there are still a few of the last hundred book run remaining. You can also check out Simple Strength, which is his 10 solid tips for better training. It's $99 and it'll be the best $100 investment you've made in your health and fitness in quite some time. If you're interested in supporting this show, please, wherever you find this, please, 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 rate it five stars, leave a kind comment, and remember that we're trying to spread his message to millions of people, and that's going to take everyone. If you're interested in me, Brooks, you can check out my gym, recess901.com. You can also find Recess on the Grams at Recess901, or you can find me, Brooks Meadows, B-R-O-O-K-S-M-E-A-D-O-W-S. Man, we got some fun stuff planned for you today. Chris has a kick-ass tune, so I'm just going to go ahead and let him open the show like only he can. Episode 37, let's do it. Doesn't that sound like the peak of 1980s America? That's Ozzy, man. Ozzy Osbourne, he needs no introduction. He's like approaching 60 years old, if not already past the age of 60 years old. And the guy's fantastic. And he's still touring. And he's still playing. And he's still being awesome. And I don't think he's biting the heads off anything still. I hope not. I hope, like anybody, he's outgrown the, the basic tools of his youth, the things he had to do. And he no longer has to kill us animals. Viciously. <laughs> but that was going to be my perfect song for the, the Barbell Buddha Halloween special, ladies and gentlemen. I was going to play that for you and then get into a spooky, spooky mood, man. But look, here's what happened, okay? Here's what happened. Your buddy Chris, your, your, just, your humble podcast host this evening, took his son trick-or-treating, dressed as Batman, looking fierce, not quite getting the whole idea around what Halloween is, you know, he kind of hesitantly went up to the houses and kind of knocked, like, oh, good, go ahead, Max, knock, knock, man. You know, knock away, yeah, yeah, yeah. And people come up. It always feels like a little bit of a violation. I feel bad. <laughs> it bothers people. Like, I can see the guy get off the couch and, like, huff, oh, okay, another one. 
and slowly walk to this door. But it's still fun, you know. It's a great holiday. One of my favorites. My son would sort of reach in and grab the candy. Like, oh, I get. You can see the gears in his head turning. Like, oh, I get to have free candy. Oh, and you can see him like, oh yeah, indeed. Like, confirms in his head, and he reaches out for two or three more pieces. Like, okay, Max. Okay, you know, back it off, man. Back it off. Come on back. Uh, next house. Uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you. She'd laugh and smile and look cute as shit in that little Batman outfit. It's warm in my heart. Uh, but the only downside, I guess, is I'm hoping. All right, tomorrow. Will we go outside? He immediately runs to people's houses, strangers' houses, begging for candy at the door. You know, all the crazy, stupid shit a parent thinks of. But Halloween was great. But I got home from that, and I go, right. <laughs> Perfect evening for a podcast. Spooky. Not really a bit of chill in the air. It's warm for a, a Memphis October. But I was like, you know what? Let's get in the mood. Let's drink a little tequila uh, with a little splash of apple juice, which, by the way, is my new, my new thing, especially tonight. Ring-a-ding-ding. Sip right now. So I had one or two of those, and of course I look over and I can see the candy haul that my son brings in. And I see the fucking peanut butter snicker bars, and it's not Vice Friday at that point. Tonight is Vice Friday. I'm going to have a little bit of Vice, but I go, yeah. So I eat like two of the bars. You cannot, you can't not eat at least two of those things. It's impossible. If you show me a man that can look into a jar of peanut butter snicker bars and grab one or two max or none. I'm showing you a man who can't be trusted, but surely has extraordinary results. <laughs> it's tough, man. So I hate two of those, and I laid on the couch, and then before I know it, I dozed off and dozed back. And, well, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> no podcast tonight. So let me apologize to you first. I was, I was going to do this whole dramatic thing. I was going to like read the lyrics of that song, Bark at the Mood, Miles Osborne. Maybe I'll still do that. Can I do that for you? Can I do that in my, my creepiest Vincent Price voice? You know that guy from... Um, all the creepy movies, maybe like the 50s and the 60s, black and white. You know, he talks kind of like this. Very spooky indeed. That's not exactly him, but give me a break. It's close enough. I mean, no, fuck it. I'm going to go ahead and do this. Consider this your, your delayed Halloween gift, my friends. Let me do this. Ready? Cue creepy voice. Screams break the silence. Waking from the dead of night. Vengeance is boiling. He's returned to kill the light. Then when he's found who he's looking for, listen in awe and you'll hear him. A bark at the moon. <laughs> yeah, this is as stupid as anything I've ever done. Okay, here we go. Let's finish. Years spent in torment, buried in a nameless grave. Now he has risen. Miracles would have to save. Those that the beast is looking for, listen in awe and you'll hear him. Bark at the moon. Yay! All right, everybody. How was that? Was that fantastic? That changed your life forever. I don't think it did at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, don't give your don't sell yourself too short, buddy. Uh, those types of things, his willing, you know, like that man, him him acting out and doing the Vincent Price voice, man. I the reason I chose that clip is for two reasons. One, you know. Uh, it's one of those things to write books and, you know, put out content and like, you know, be taken seriously. It's another to allow yourself to be your goofy, unapologetic self. And like, if anybody could do that, it was Chris. And it's a, it, it's examples of those types of things that I loved personally, those like deep cuts of the Barbell Buddha stuff, I would say. Not the thing that you would think to reach for uh, if you were trying to like highlight his work, so to speak, but 
I chose it because I feel like it highlights him, really him, his willingness to be goofy and have fun with us and uh, make fun of himself at the same time. So that's the first reason. And then the second second reason is that it, it highlighted something for me. So he said he's sitting down. It's a missed opportunity. It's Friday, okay, the November 1st, and he had attempted to do the spooky Halloween thing on Thursday and record it on that night, but he missed that opportunity. And uh, it occurred to me in that moment that, like, Halloween for us was also on a Thursday this year, and that November 1st was also a Friday for me. And then I looked at the calendar, and I realized that this entire calendar year has been completely synced up with the same same days on the same dates on the same days as it was in 2013. And I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> uh, yeah, that one kind of threw me for a loop." And so I realized I had a missed opportunity to record literally on the same date and day as Chris did at, at this point in the story. And I always, I always look for those small little things myself personally. And um, yeah, you can call me a, call me a woo-woo Mr. Son of a Bitch for all, I get, for all I care, but it's just like something weird to me about the calendar syncing up and being able to record the same episodes at the same days and dates as Chris and because his story resonates in my heart so much about like the courage that it takes to do this art or the courage that it takes to do a bit, you know, create a business for yourself, like to share these small little moments with him has been um, really special. So now that it's occurred to me that the dates are synced up, I'm actually going to look for opportunities to sync up with him in the future and see if I can't get a nice little roll going. Um, this episode, episode 37, you know, Chris, uh, he has a couple of different nuggets and pearls in here. I've plucked one long one, but I do have a short one that I want to bring up first. And to kind of give you some context, in the episode, he finds these memes on a site called Imager, and they were like remade fitness motivation posters. And so Chris was reading these out to you, what uh, the meme originally said versus how it was redone, and he was explaining to you why he liked it. And that's a great portion of his episode, and it's a you get a fair amount of Chris there. So if you want, go listen to that uh, on his episode. But I have one clip that I've pulled um, because it really speaks to the continual message that it's uh, showing up week to week. And this clip particularly, I've kind of called the power of patience and consistency. We're seeing that as like a main theme in his work, and so it's a really great six minute clip or so and so i'm going to get chris dialed up to, to to open that up and we'll see if we can't can't pull it apart some on the other side all right chris it's your turn man take it away the last picture here uh the base picture says the only bad workout is the one that you didn't do uh yeah another generic fucking meaningless comment <laughs> come on man i mean you can't do all the workouts. What's some CrossFitters will try to do? Do all the workouts and be good at every good be good at everything all the time, and that's just not a good strategy. You got to have a, a measured approach. People are figuring this out. They know that you just don't do everything all the time. But honestly, what they're going for here is probably if you miss a workout, then that's the bad workout. Again, there's the realistic aspects of life. Fuck, man, we're not going to be chained to the gym. We're not going to make it a burden. The gym is something that's supposed to make you feel good and inspired and empowered. And as a good athlete, you feel that way. And as a good coach, you make other people feel that way. If you're, la- if you're laying fucking guilt trips on people or any kind of negative energy, then you're doing it wrong. Simply put, you're doing it wrong. 
So scratch out the you didn't do. And this guy scratches in or you know, types in, doodles in. The only bad workout is the one that resulted in injury because you were too damn impatient. Don't rush. Be safe. That's a good one. That's a really good one. The idea of patience. Um, look, you didn't get fat overnight. Um, you didn't grow into your adult years, weak <laughs> overnight. Uh, things do take patience, man. Uh, and as I say over and over and over again, the most powerful thing I've learned in my life probably to date is just how useful it is to build habits. So like the old Zen idea or you know, Eastern religious idea is that you know, to get maximum happiness out of your life, you need to focus on um, chopping wood and carrying water. That's not an uncommon idea. Uh, it's in a lot of Eastern philosophy stuff. The idea of repetition, that, that daily thing is like a pump in your life that drives the progress. So if you think, all right, I get up, what do I do? I grab my ax, I chop my wood. You know, you make breakfast, you pour your coffee, you follow that regimen. While you're doing that, you're clearing your mind. It's called like a, a morning defrag, if you will. Uh, you're setting up all you'd like to do during the day. Uh, you get to the work, you do go through the email, you do this, that, and that. Uh, and if you're smart through this, you know that there's a progressive effect. So every time you do something, you're trying to push it in a direction, right? So you're not just repeating, 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 repeating. I mean, some things like the coffee thing are good because once you got it down, you got it, right? But when it comes to your work, when it comes to your training, when it comes to your creative fucking spirit and your art, man, everything that makes you a human being, that makes you alive, if you want to really get the satisfaction, you got to push it in some direction. you got to challenge yourself. you got to include... Um, yeah, I mean, just like training, you, if you want to get stronger, you add five pounds here, five pounds there. You push it harder. You are patient. That's like one drop at a time. A few pounds here, a few pounds here, a few pounds here. You do it weekly and monthly and yearly, and before you know it, a decade later, you're a profoundly, profoundly stronger individual. You know, fundamentally different than when, when you first you know, added the first drop into your bucket, so to speak. If you do that with art, I mean, a lot of people want to be photographers. This is a good example, man. A lot of people want to be photographers. I was just going over this tonight with my wife. And you see, if you're on Facebook at all, you see a lot of really shitty, really shitty photography. And at first, you're, the impulse is like, fuck, man, why would anybody try? Just stop that. Stop that. I'm, I don't know shit about photography. I know you don't know shit about photography. So who are we fooling? And there's some satisfaction in that, but that's not helping anybody. The truth is... It's okay to start taking shitty pictures because everybody took their first shitty picture. Everybody did their first shitty snatch. Everybody did their first shitty souffle attempt. Everybody's shitty when you begin something. That's what a beginner is. The difference between uh, who becomes the fucking loser poser guys and who becomes masters of whatever they're doing is that you just keep going. That's all. And the person who takes a shitty picture today goes, you know what? I took a second one and looked better. <laughs> what did I do differently? Oh, the shutter speed. Oh, I had a better light source. I better get a light. Oh, look, it does work better. You know, slowly you tinker and incorporate the skills that you need. And before you know it, like five years down the road, you're a fucking awesome photographer because you put in the time. That's what anybody who gets good at anything does. They put in the time. They put in the work. They are patient with it. They, in a sense, you almost um, get lost in it. You're too stubborn to quit it. And I know that kind of conflicts a little bit with the don't quit thing. But, you know, Here's the golden rule of that, okay? Here's how you know whether you should quit or not. If you've read Progress, you know this. You quit something if it begins to take away from you far more than it gives back to you. 
that was the golden rule I figured out this summer. You know, like, how do you know? Like, uh, yeah, football practice might be hard. Uh, painting, photography, training is hard. You want to keep up, keep up, keep up with it because it's giving something back to you. Like, it's hard to go up there and sweat and torture yourself, sure, but you get so much out of it, right? But, you know, I give a good example of piloting in my life where uh, I loved it for so long. Then I realized that um, I couldn't be home with my family, my wife, who I love so much. I want to spend time with them. Uh, I couldn't devote all the time I needed to to creative pursuits. I couldn't write the fucking book I wrote by giving all my time to it. I couldn't give all my attention to a career and all that stuff that I needed to. Not all the attention, you know, keeping balance, but the time that was devoted to work couldn't all be there if this one thing was sucking out all my focus in life. So it comes to a point where you got to say, look, it's not giving back to me very much, man. That's a simple thing. So you draw the line. But until you get there, you do follow the patient path. And if you think about the bucket filling drop by drop, man, fuck, what a powerful thing that is. Before you know it, you'll just be rocking the fucking universe. <laughs> not to oversell it. I don't want to oversell it. But yeah, if you be patient, man, powerful, powerful things can happen. Man, that is such a juicy nugget of Chris's right there in six minutes. Um, I am a victim all the time of wanting to get places the fastest possible route. And I see it in my, I've, I've moved on from that in my training, thanks to Chris, but I, I still catch myself doing it in other areas of my life. And um, if you're listening to this show, you might be finding yourself going through the same thing. Chris was speaking directly to us, uh, and he saw it in himself, and he was able to, to work out that, that through training, and he started to implement this balance and this patience into his art, into his life, and, um, you know, it's, it, it's every, now it's like every week, he's finding a new way to, to describe this to us, the uh, power of patience, the power of consistency, not trying to rush to get to the end. These messages are, are so critical to me, especially where I am in my business now. You know, training, I, I have more time, way more years into training than I have into being my own, own business owner, my own boss, right? Creating my own life structure, producing the art that I want to produce, producing the programs I want to produce, that um, I, I'm falling victim to the same lesson that I learned in training, trying to get there as fast as possible. I still find myself falling victim to that uh, in, my, in my life in other areas. And so when Chris brings these ty types of things up, it's, it's always an amazing opportunity to recenter the balance. Uh, that's another theme of his work, is getting to the balance. Uh, how do you know when to quit? You know, we go on these pursuits, right? And um, maybe we, you know, we're, we're not even trying to get there fast, right? We can still use this other criteria that Chris mentioned is, is it taking away more than it's giving back to know whether or not a pursuit that we're on, patient or not, is worth our time? And um, that's just that's just just a, a scratching the surface of how deep we could go into that for that, just that six minutes. Now that rant sort of leads him in a new direction in the episode as it continues, where he starts talking about traveling, and particularly about how he leaves a certain amount of time unplanned to create the balance. Right, So if you're going to go and visit a new place, you're going to travel, you have an option on how, how much, how deep you can, 
go on trying to create an itinerary, so to speak. And some people have nothing. They don't, they don't plan anything, and they show up and they just kind of wander. Some people plan to the T. They know exactly where they're going to be every half hour. Um, and what Chris said he did, he said he left some time uh, unplanned in his trip. And that spoke to me because uh, I, I, I've traveled a fair bit. Uh, I've been very blessed to have friends that encourage me to travel and even facilitated opportunities to travel. And, you know, one of the things that I agreed with Chris on is leaving a certain amount of time to wander around. I don't know if it's been in this episode yet or, or if we've talked about it before. Sometimes I get lost as to where we are in the story. But basically, there's this line that Chris brings up uh, at least once or twice that said, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're too busy searching, you never leave any room for finding. Uh, I think that was a, a, a Siddhartha quote. And so uh, leaving some time for finding and traveling is really great. Now, in the episode, Chris, he, he tells some great travel stories. So I encourage you, always go back and listen to the original episode. Uh, he tells a, a story about going to Europe and going to Paris, and that was, uh, this is setting up the clip that I'm gonna that I'm gonna deliver to you. Okay, so one of the challenges that he describes in being a tourist is that you know if you do wander, you tend to wander towards some of the usual spots, right? You 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 know you. You find yourself to the, if you're in Paris, right, the Louvre, the the Eiffel Tower. If you're in New York, going to Times Square. Um, I, I went to, I had, went to Beijing in 2000 and I guess it would have been like 2011. And I was touring around Beijing for the first time. So China is a really, as you can imagine, a very different place than the United States. And Having lived in Asia for a fair amount of years at this time, um, seeing the diverse nature of the Eastern Asian cultures was also really amazing. And of course, I'm in China. I'm going to go do all of the things that you would think to do. I'm going to go see the Great Wall. And uh, I found myself at the Forbidden Palace. And it was like such a cool experience, right? And uh, I was with someone and, and we really took our time. And afterwards, we were gonna get onto one of the like the tri the bike drivers, right? So the, it's not like a rickshaw where people carry you around uh, and they walk. You know, they have these bikes, and it's very common to get bike taxis. And so we were sitting in the bike taxi, and we were we had completely you know like lost track of like where we were intending to go. We were really uh, taking in the sights, and and we noticed that the the biker was kind of going through some back alleys, and like you know I. I'm, I'm trying not to be culturally insensitive, right? Like, I'm just trying to be like, oh, this guy knows where he's going. And then uh, it occurred to me that maybe we weren't supposed to be back there. And that wasn't the way that we were uh, intending to go. And sure enough, right around that time, um, he turns around and he starts asking us for quite a bit more money than uh, he had had uh, negotiated on the front end of the bike ride. So um, you can see where this is going. And uh, what I did is I, I, had, I had my friend with me, and I, I asked her to uh, peel off a nice little uh, piece of Beijing cur Chinese currency, uh, the yuan, and we handed it to him, and uh, we very easily brushed our way back and, and brushed our way by. And so, you know, part of the challenges of, of wandering around is that you might find yourself in some tricky situations. And if you do, just remember to keep eye contact, <laughs> remember to breathe. It's not all that scary, but there are some really positive benefits towards wandering around when you travel. Okay. So, uh, 
one way I can highlight that is to tell you about a trip that I took uh, while I was in college. My senior year, it was uh, spring break. 2008, trying to look for something to do. And of course, being from Memphis, the the general thought is I'm going to go to like Florida or going to go to Alabama and go to the beach or something like that. Panama City, right? Go on a drink fest, yada, yada, typical college stuff. But I asked my friend who grew up uh, outside of the United States, I asked him what he was doing and he told me he was going to go to Jamaica. And I was like, whoa, that sounds cool. Who are you going with? And he said he was going by himself. And so I was intrigued. I wasn't emotionally or mentally equipped to travel to a foreign nation by myself. So it, I de- it definitely piqued my interest. And um, I, I kind of poked him and prodded him to see if I could come. And he said, yeah, you know, like, I don't know if you ready to travel like this, man. I kind of, you know, just show up places. And, and he was the ultimate wanderer. He shows up places and figures it out while he was there. So we, we came up with a little bit of a negotiation. We said if we knew we were going to stay for the first two nights, we'd go down there. We looked up tickets. We were good to go. And bang, we find ourselves in Jamaica for spring break. And, be, you know, like we, we, would, we had our two places to stay, two nights. We're in Montego Bay. And we happened to meet this Canadian guy who was a photographer. And he had hired a driver to drive him around. And he was there to take pictures in, in Jamaica. And because we didn't have all that much planned, he invited us to come along and we said yes, right? So we find ourselves heading to Ocho Rios for like a reggae festival and then we were going to drive between Ocho Rios and, and, and Kingston and the driver kind of cuts off and this is a, not in a, this isn't a dangerous story like the rickshaw driver. This, this person, he drives us up into the mountain and um, we, we finally realized where we were going. We were going to Bob Marley's birth home in, in Jamaica and in a place that he called Zion. And so we went up into Nine Mile, which is like the district that he was from in the mountains, and we went to the home that he was born in. And then the guy walked us up a little bit more, and uh, we went up to what was Bob Marley's like escape home. So he didn't live in his birth home. He had actually his own little home up the mountain. And uh, when he wasn't recording or, you know, like changing the world with his music, he would retreat to his little home in Nine Mile. And um, we got to go to this house. And so we walk in. And it's only a handful of us, about five people being shown around. And Bob Marley had a two-room home that was smaller than the garage, single-car garage that I'm sitting in right now. And it was two rooms. One of them was a sitting room, and one of them was his bedroom. And you could go into his bedroom, and they asked you, you know, to kindly not touch anything in Bobby's room. But outside of Bob's room, you could literally, like, hang out in Bob Marley's house. And... Uh, he, Bob Marley had carved out this chair out of like a single piece of wood and it's a lounge chair. And so if you ever go there, you have an opportunity to like sit down in Bob Marley's chair and you realize like three little birds sit by my doorstep. Like that's the spot where this like most iconic music was written and rock is my pillow, like where he would lay down at night and, and look at the stars and write some music that changed the world. You could go into his mausoleum and, and actually put your hand on his tomb. And it was moments like that where you realize, like, wow, like I never would have found myself here. And Chris has a moment just like that. And it led, leads him to come up with this, had this moment, not come up with, to, to have a moment that was so transcendent. Like that moment that I got to have in Barb Molly's home, like, you know, it's one of these things that it transcends what you think is possible to be like, this is just a human being 
in some of the most humble origins, humble times that like grows into this global icon that consistently still is a, is like a beacon of peace and love and, and, and healing in the world. You know, you, you see that there it can change you as a person. And Chris has that moment in uh, uh, in this in this episode. He's going to tell you a story. So he's in Paris. He goes to the Eiffel Tower. He, he has a similar exchange where uh, he's in a tourist trap at night and is, and is kind of hustled for a little bit of money. And he's continuing his wandering. He's telling his positive, like, uh, uh, impact of wandering story. And he's also going to drop in just a beautiful, beautiful pearl. So really listen in close. And I'm going to let Chris roll on for about 12 minutes. And he's going to close the show like only he can. That's it for me this week. I really appreciate the opportunity to hang out with y'all, tell some stories, chop it up. If you want to hear anything on this podcast, if there's something you want to know, reach out to me at Barbell Buddha Rediscovered on Instagram. Send me a message. I'll answer. I'll exchange with you. I appreciate the messages that I've gotten so far. All right, Chris, man, really lay it down. You're going to, I know, and I'll catch up with everybody next week. All right, Chris, man, take it away. Now, on the other hand, my wandering did allow me to see cool shit, too. I mean, it's not always bad. In this case, in the middle of the day, we're walking through some busy little Paris street. I don't even know where the fuck I was. We got off the metro and just started walking. And I actually came across the coolest fucking building maybe in the whole place, which is the Pantheon. The Pantheon is like a mausoleum slash museum. You walk in the front door. It looks like a giant, like, Greek colossal facility, you know. And you walk in, and I guess it's what you expect. You see museum stuff. It looks very nice. It's very ornate. It's kind of a feeling you get when you walk into Notre Dame or the Louvre. You go, wow, there's obviously important shit being kept here. Okay, cool. I can dig it. <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, but then I realized, oh, this, there's fucking people buried here, man. It became apparent from the displays and the signs. Uh, even English signs. Go figure. You know, let that be a, a, Oh. Let me pause and say, uh, Paris was great, by the way. Uh, if you ever run into any fucking human being who's like, you know what, you shouldn't go there because I hear that place is bad for these reasons. I've never been myself, but that's what I hear. Don't trust anything this person has to say. Anybody who's willing to put you know, negativity on you first things first when you share some exciting thing you're going to go do uh, is not the kind of person you're going to learn from in any fucking capacity. Cut that shit off. Tell them, look, that's not right. You know, you never fucking been... And what do you know it when you go to a place like this and if you're nice, if you're respectful to people, they are nice and respectful back to you. They are just like you. They are living, sentient beings who are on this earth doing the best they can. They can see that in you if you come to them with a good attitude. Just fucking do that. But anyway, back to the story. Uh, I'm in this mausoleum now and I realize there's dead bodies. There's, a, there's tombs underneath this bitch. I gotta see, I gotta see. So I work back to the stairwell. I go down the stairs. It can be very giddy. And actually, if you look at the blog post, you see a picture of me considerably lighter. I was like 250 at the time, 245, looking a little bit sexier, a little bit younger. But, you know, geeking out, walking through this little hallway back to the tomb, because this is cool shit. My inner Indiana Jones is flaring now. And then I get really excited when I get into the burial chamber itself, because I can see that there's some fucking famous people here. I'm not so smart, but I can recognize some of the names, like Mary Curie is one of the people. Uh, and if you recognize Mrs. Curie's name, is that she was the, I guess, the primary researcher who kind of discovered for us, for, you know, for the sake of humanity, discovered radioactivity. Um, so she researched it, died because of her interest in it, because she didn't really realize the repercussions, but because of her sacrifice, she has saved fucking countless, 
countless human beings over the course of the last, oh, fuck, man, I don't know when she died, but I mean, it's got to be 70 years or so, right? 70, 80, 90 years. She has completely saved, you know, maybe millions and I don't know about billions, that seems like a lot, but millions of people for sure. From the, the medical technology that's come out of this understanding and I guess maybe some of the bad things we've done with it, but mostly good. Uh, and I think to this day, I just read this last week, her research papers are still highly, highly radioactive and you cannot go near them. So that was intense. But her ashes are entombed and enshrined there. Uh, but it was really the second person I found that I knew of who really, um, it really the experience shook me up, right? So I discovered uh, Voltaire, the great French uh, philosopher, writer, all-around amazing guy is fucking buried in this place. Uh, if you don't know anything about Voltaire, just search, just search his quotes on like, you know, WikiQuote or whatever and just read through. You're going to see this guy was exceptionally brilliant and really ahead of his time. You know, yeah, he was called maybe too extreme. Like most fucking great philosophers are. They rub the existing... Power structures the wrong way. They ask the wrong sorts of questions. All that's to be expected, right? People do not like when you ask too many questions because it makes them nervous. And if they're in positions of great power, they might just fucking kill you for it <laughs> or send you to the far reaches of civilization and get you out of the way. Uh, yeah, this guy wrote like 2,000 books and pamphlets. He gave like 200 published like lectures. And he's just nuts, the productivity. And he's really a motivating dude. Uh, so there's, there's two things I, I know of him that really have stuck with me. One is he's big on freedom of expression. He's got a famous quote that goes, I do not agree with what you have to say, dear sir, but I'll defend to death your right to say it. That's pretty awesome. I think what you see laced through all that is sort of the, the motivating force behind the birth of the United States and the original intent behind what all the founding fathers of this particular country had to say about what was important uh, about expression and protecting people's liberties. Uh, so he was doing it at a time where it wasn't so cool to do that. I think this was, don't get too history specific on me, but I think this was pre-French Revolution for sure. I gotta check my dates. I've got a, a book on him behind me somewhere. I'll have to look that up. Uh, I won't. I'll, I'll just record this shit and move on with my life, man. No way about it. Uh, but it's the second quote I know of his that really stirred me at this time. When I'm looking at the place where the guy's remains are kept. Very intense, but this second quote is really powerful. It sticks with me then, sticks with me now. And it goes like this. Every man is guilty of all the good he did not do. Whoa, man. I got to stop and take a sip out of that. Think about that. So back in 2009, I'm this young guy. At this time, like my, I'd been unchained from some things. I, was, I have started to work some things out. It wasn't that long ago, but I'm, I'm getting a sense of where I need to go in life. I'm getting kind of a general direction, which shows you if you are not yet 27, 20, 29, you don't know what the fuck you're going to do. Don't worry about it, man. Really. Dude, don't worry about it. You're going to figure it out. Just keep looking for the answers. And before you know it, you'll find yourself somewhere very, very interesting. Let's keep moving. Keep busy. Keep going to where the energy is. But I was very much in that stage. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, the city is sparking so many new thoughts. I'm seeing so many things I never thought I'd get to see. Fuck, I'm kind of dazed here. Uh, and little moments like this. Like, this is a drop in my bucket that is really formative. I, I see this guy's remains. I'm thinking of what I know of him. I'm thinking how intense it is to be here. And all I know is I'm going to do something. I don't know quite what it's going to be, but I'm going to do something great. I'm using this quote as a fucking guide that, you know, whatever it is I've got to give this world. You can, you can go through the same thing for yourself right now, uh, dear listener. 
you, there's something you can do, right? There's some good you can do. You have some skill. You're good at something, and you can take that and in some way help somebody's, somebody else's life be a little less lame. Or you can help them get to what they need to get at a little bit easier. And I can, every time you do that, you feel so fucking good. Uh, and <laughs> the simple truth is this. Like, I think in this stage of my life, I realize that nothing is worth doing unless it can be used to, to help other people. That's really all it comes down to, man. If you're going to stand and then some, let's say you die. Let's, let's get deep into this shit. It's Friday night. <clears throat> let's get philosophical, man. If you die right now and you find yourself emerging in a great hall, let's say it's a great like Egyptian-looking hall, and you, you walk forward and you find yourself being judged by a giant godlike figure with a big fucking hawk head. He's holding the staff. He's looking at you. He goes, what, what did you do? You were this spirit. And I, I brought you down. And I put you in this form. And I gave you a chance to do good. What'd you do? You know, those little things that whispered in your ear, did you take them and do something good with them? Answer me. And you go, oh, yeah, I had that skill. I could write, I could sing, I could dance, I could coach, I could do whatever. I could write fucking good reports. Why not write them for a cause? It's just, you could do any of these things. And well, I decided to chase money and short-term <laughs> satisfaction. I didn't delay any gratification, and I took what was mine. I said, fuck you to everybody else. You know, that's not a very good thing. You don't want to be in that situation. Uh, and then I realized if you could answer this, like, yeah, I had this one thing I really cared about. <clears throat> it was coaching. It was doing this. It was doing that. And I just gave it all I got. And I tried to, to help as many people as possible with that thing. If you could answer that to anything you might face on the other side, wouldn't you be in really great shape? <laughs> I think you would. I think you would. And that, that, that kind of solidified my thoughts at this time in my life where I was like, you know what? I don't think any of these rules I'm listening to are really true. <laughs> now, yeah, it could have been like the religious stuff I, I was maybe revolting against in some way, sure. It could have been like all the expectations career-wise. It could have been all the shit I was feeling. Like, why do I got to be this kind of athlete? Why can't I do something else? Like, it was all this like existential stuff, like basically cracking the outer layers of your life and throwing off that shell. I was thinking of all that stuff and I realized, well, I mean, the only thing that matters first is my expectations. Like, I know what I can do. I know what I care about. If the clock is ticking, why not devote my efforts towards what I'm really good at and what can really affect change? And then in terms of, like, all the other shit, like, what is good, what is just, what's the right way to use my time, if somebody else smiles from what I did, fuck I me. Mean, how could anybody, any force, any presence ever doubt what I was doing? So that's what I came away with in that, that fucking tomb. I'm really so thankful for it. I'm, I'm thankful for every great opportunity I have like it. I'm thankful to go to New York and see cool things. And see, like, you know, even as nutty as it is, a place like Times Square, oh, I've seen this my whole life on um, when the ball drops on New Year's Eve. Now I can be here. I'm chalking this up in the column of things experienced. <laughs> or it's just, you know, every little event is happening all around you all the time. And they're all little little drops in your bucket, little opportunities to improve yourself and get better. You got to pay attention. You got to realize that just keeping little quotes like that in mind, keeping these events in mind matters so much. It has such a cumulative effect that you, you look back, now you're now, it's 2013. I can see that I had this little urge to do a little radio show. I had this urge to, to write some stuff and it's really manifesting in useful ways. People are digging it. People like the little book. It is leading to some good. You know, by Voltaire's standard, I'm doing good. And for you, if you, if you have the urge to, to paint something, stupid as fucking could be, just do it. If you have the urge to open up a gym, research it, commit yourself to it, 
give yourself to it. I mean, there's so many ways you could do really cool shit in this world. So fucking do it. Mahatma Gandhi said, you know, be the good you want to see in the world. There's no better way to do that than just fucking doing it. <laughs> you know, so I had to get a little ranty at the end of the show. But that's really all it is too, man. Like, the things you want and crave, make them so. Easy peasy. But going back to all the themes in the show, if you take the right steps, if you're patient, if you just stick with it, if you don't have unrealistic expectations, and all these things just happen to fall into place. If I could fucking leave you with anything, anything useful, it's this. Every person is, just, is simply guilty of the good they, they did not do, that they chose to, to not do. Don't be that guy. Don't be guilty. Don't be guilty. That's a good fucking way to end the show, man. Really good way. Uh, dude, I'm sorry if the show is a little jumpy in a little place, but hey, I am coming off the, the rack and getting back into the rhythm. But now I'll join you again, hopefully, um, maybe early next week, maybe this weekend. I don't know. I'll try to get the boys of the Marvel show together to do something maybe tomorrow night or Sunday. We're due for a hangout session. And uh, now that I've got this equipment figured out, I can actually maybe capture the video and audio for you and maybe make something interesting. Out of it. But uh, until all that happens, man, I want to wish you an awesome, awesome weekend. Go into November, as crazy as it sounds. Go into it positive, man. Uh, make something cool happen. And say yes to the good you can do. Don't be guilty of shit, man. Feel good. All right? Until I meet you again on the other side of this podcast, uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Peace, love. Namaste. Cheers, friend.